Hi, welcome to the HRD Live podcast. I'm Finn Murphy and I'll be your host. I'm joined today by Dawn Moore, Group People Director at J Murphy & Sons Limited. As a company that has weathered the storm of recent disruptive times, J Murphy & Sons is well placed to share what it considers to be the fundamentals of a successful future of work strategy, including supporting a workforce spread across building sites and offices, encouraging the new generation of leaders and communicating its actions to build a resilient organisation for the time to come. Discover how the company meets the needs of a diverse workforce while maintaining its values in changing conditions. Please note that as this was a remote recording, the audio quality may fluctuate slightly from time to time. Enjoy the podcast. Dawn, thanks so much for joining us today. To kick off, what is the context of your future of work strategy? We operate, for example, across uh, three different countries, um, all three of which are in quite different places in terms of the, the national picture coming out of 2020, um, but, but also the, the sheer variety of, of jobs that our people undertake. And I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. So that, that's everything from, you know, very frontline critical operative jobs who, whose work is, is all outside and, and isn't, for example, easily technology enabled. Um, right through to a whole range of, of professional roles who, who support those operatives and particularly the, the projects that those operatives work on, um, who can work in a variety of different circumstances. So when it comes to our future work strategy, we're very much in the place that actually you, you cannot have a one size fits all approach. Um, but what you can have is some consistency of thinking in what future work may look like. So it's impossible, for example, for us to put together a, a policy which um, gives, you, you know, a, a very clear direction on things like agile working, because while every job lends itself to, to agile working in terms of the future, how that agility can be put into practice is very job dependent in our business. A great example being, you know, two thirds of our people are in jobs that, that simply cannot be done from home, simply because they're, they're on projects and require physical hands-on work. Um, so, so therefore, any conversation around agility and, and the future has, has to bear that in mind and look at different options uh, to somebody in a more professional stroke management role who, who maybe can combine some home working with a presence on some of our projects and, and actually have more flexible locations. So, so I, I think I think that whole future work plan and particularly around the agile side, which is on everyone's mind at the moment, a, bit, a big thing is, is there's not a one size fits all for us. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, our, our future work plan also has to take into account um, the, the, the digital agenda, but some of the challenges it presents to a workforce like ours, where, uh, as I've already mentioned, uh, many of our jobs are not easily digitally stroke technology enabled. Um, that may be because of the time they, those jobs do or don't have in the working day to actually log on to technology and, and deal with certain things th through to others who may be sat in front of it for pretty much all, all of their working day. So, so our future work plan, particularly when it comes to engage people going forward effectively so we get key business messages out uh, is having to deploy a variety of communication methods um, so some of which are fully digital some of which are uh, digital but recognizing there's going to be a delay in getting some of that messaging and interaction both both from and to 
uh, some of our workforce. And actually, we're having to supplement, you, you know, some very advanced digital solutions with actually some very, very basic traditional comms methods. Um, for example, you know, some of our people, we still have to contact through basic things like text messaging. Um, and, and in a few cases, actually simply mail outs directly to their home. Um, so, so I know a lot of people talk about the, the future of digital in, in the future work agenda. And, and, and for us, it's very important. Um, but, but I think that can't be our only driver in a business like ours and isn't. Um, we're having, having to look at digital methods in a variety of ways and supplementing them with a lot of others. So I, I think, you know, the areas I've just described are our key priorities. And if I had to summarise it, it would be, you know, digital with a, a lot of supplements, um, recognising that there isn't a one size fits all when it comes to the, the future work agenda. Uh, and, and for us, a big thing is recognising the diversity of our workforce within that. Um, because I think it's quite important. How do you think Jay Murphy will be guided by your values in the time ahead? Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a lot of that. We're, we're 100% family-owned business and, and a, a very important part of that is not only being family-owned and run, but people feeling like, even though they might do very different jobs in very different circumstances, that, that, that they're part of that family feel and ethos. So I think absolutely our vision and values and the culture we want to create guide us. Um, but we're also very conscious um, that we need to continually ask our very diverse workforce what works for them. Because I go back to that message that there isn't a one size fits all here. Um, but, but our values guide us absolutely in terms of how we want it to feel in the future working for the organisation. Because while working methods may be different, our core values are not. Uh, and I think getting that balance is quite important. What is Jay Murphy doing to develop leaders after disruptive events? First of all, our, our leadership development strategy, particularly around the development of our people, didn't really change. Uh, if anything, it became more important than ever. Um, and, and let me explain to you why. I, I think being in a sector which we feel very fortunate was classified as critical meant actually we were always thinking not only about what we were having to deal with on the ground in 2020, but what the future might look like. Um, and it was never a question for us to, to stop things like investment in training. Uh, we continued with our leadership development programs. We continued with all our new entry talent recruitment and development programs um, because we knew that was all about creating resilience. Um, for, for one thing, for, for the future, um, we needed people to feel very engaged and still supported. So it was a big part of that. And it was all also with one eye on, you know, um, at some point we will come through this. The future might look different. But what's critical to that? Well, actually continuing to invest in things like your leadership development and, and some of the, the programs I've just described. Um, I, I think it, in terms of... Um, wider leadership development. I, I think one of the things we have been continually encouraging, which is important going forward permanently, I think is flexibility and leadership thinking. Um, I, I, I think the, the construction sector, you know, is often seen by people uh, as being very traditional in terms of its thinking as to how uh, things should operate, the type of culture that you want and, and some of the, the, the processes that you have. I think that has very much changed. Um, what we definitely don't want to lose um, is that flexibility of thinking that has become much broader as a result of what's happened in 2020. Uh, and we're actively building that into some of our leadership development programs, for example, to, to ensure that we don't lose that going forward. And, and, and it's no longer a learning as a result of 2020. 
it's actually a core part of now how we want all of our leaders to think and behave going forward. Um, so, so I think that's quite an important behavioural principle as well that's come out. How do you effectively communicate your strategy to a diverse range of employees? I couldn't say it's through one particular method. It's through diverse approach. Um, we we have deployed, um, you know, some some pretty good digital solutions actually that have been very effective and also a bit innovative. Um, I, I think, um, you know, one of the most innovative things I, I saw was um, virtual safety tours taking place, for example, with, with things like drones and other virtual reality technology involved, um, which, which was a huge step forward for us. Um, we've deployed you know multi-channel communication methods some of those have been real time we've held things like live town halls where people could talk to to leadership team through through things like yammer uh, and we've done those in different time zones and and we've also supplemented that with um, some traditional methods Um, and and that's included sometimes actually getting things out by, by text message and and in some cases things you know directly in hard copy to people's homes I think that that multifaceted approach has been really important because of of the diverse nature of organisation that we are. But more importantly, we asked our employees what worked best for them. And, and, you know, it did differ by type of job. Um, So so we responded to all of that and made sure the methods that we use were were actually, um, I think, complemented one another quite well, but made sure we, we had that very wide reach based on that feedback. And, you know, the feedback on on that approach has, has been pretty good um, to, to the point where I think we will keep that diverse approach, actually. Is Jay Murphy well equipped to address the UK skills shortage and the junior generations entering the workforce? Yeah, I, I mean, a, a big thing for us um, is around the, the skill shortage that people always talk about uh, in the construction sector. I think people have talked about it for at least 10 years, probably more. Um, I, I think I challenge that sometimes. Um, and, and we've tried to bait the boundaries on that in Murphy because there, there is talent out there. A, a great example is... Um, you know, I, I think what's a very difficult set of circumstances for people age, age 16 to 24 in particular, um, who, you know, it's very clear of probably being the worst affected by the pandemic. Um, I, I, from our perspective, that that's turning a difficult situation into a positive for us. So, for example, we, we were the first big construction contractor to engage with the government kickstart scheme. Um, but, but we also looked at that scheme slightly differently in that, we aren't just offering placements for, for young people. We're, we're offering permanent jobs at the end of it. So, so you know, really great opportunity for us to say, look, the, the government, for example, has established something that there's, there's young talent out there we, which we want. And more importantly, we can give them long-term jobs, which actually really helps us from a succession and development point of view, a, an engagement point of view and, and all sorts of things. So, so that's an example of a, an opportunity where I, I think has actually become quite a positive one for us um, we, we've 52 young people on board so far um, and, and I think certainly over the remainder of the life of the kickstart scheme that will almost certainly double in size which is, has been very good for us um, I think we've also taken you know different opportunities to to engage with people um, our virtual work experience program, for example, which um, has replaced all of the face-to-face stuff we used to do with schools, colleges, and, and actually in some of our harder-to-reach communities, um, has been working incredibly well. 
Um, um, so, you, you know, there are a couple of examples that, that stand out to me. But um, like I say, we, we made a point of, of continuing um, pretty much everything, whether that was investment in people development internally um, or all of our external recruitment. So we've been very fortunate as a sector, I think. How does Jay Murphy build on its values to be relevant for tomorrow's conditions? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing um, any business strategy, including HR strategies, have, have recognised as a result of last year is we, we have a plan, for example, for the next five years, but but that has to be flexible. I, I think you can always have your core goals in a strategy and our HR strategy has, has several core goals, actually, that we want to get to by 2025. Um, but but we've learned that actually how, how those goals are delivered need, needs to be massively adaptable. So um, I, I think adapt Adaptability of our strategies with it without losing sight of, of those core goals is, is a big one. Um, I, I think investment in um, different ways of working sounds a very obvious one, but from a, a people strategy point of view, can't be underestimated. We're actually doing a huge um, piece of engagement work at Murphy this year, which, which takes all sorts of forms, actually. But, but at the heart of it is asking our people what they think about a number of things. Um, and that's everything from th- things we already do and how we do them, but particularly how we engage with them, um, how well embedded those things are, uh, what we need to do more of and, and, and areas where we need to improve, right through to looking at what others do, including across other sectors and, and trying to get transferability of those learnings so, so actually that, that that engagement not just from an internal but also an external point of view and, and messaging that together um, for, for our benefit I think is, is a huge part um, and, and I would say um, if I had to pick just one other thing because because there could be many um, I, I think the whole um, recruitment arena is is a huge one how, how we do it has started to change um, I've, I've already mentioned some of some of the different engagement methods that we use um, but actually developing people internally um, as well as recruiting externally I think remains a priority we're, we're fortunate to be a growing business uh, with a good pipeline of work in the three countries in which we operate um, and, and I think a big part of our people strategy in particular is um, working to change the perception of construction Um, and and we're we're making some good inroads into that I think which will gain significant momentum over the next five years. Lastly how does social responsibility baked into what Jay Murphy does across the world? Yeah, I, I think from a Murphy perspective, um, our, our core mission, if you like, we, we talk about improving lives through the projects that we do. Uh, many of our projects are long term and, and are community based, actually, in terms of where we're working for quite a, lo- a prolonged period of time. Um, that links quite nicely to our people strategy, actually, because we not only want to improve lives through infrastructure projects, but actually create opportunities for people as a, as a result of those projects. Um, and, and I think the whole social value agenda that, that we're undertaking uh, as part of that is huge. Um, a, a few examples, I've mentioned our work with local schools. Um, we're doing an awful lot of work in London, which is um, diversity and inclusion related um, and, and particularly particularly focusing on um, starting with young black men who've been one of the the worst affected groups over the last few years when it comes to employment outcomes. How do we offer them and other underrepresented groups long-term opportunities with us, whether they're a direct employee, they're part of our supply chain, whether they're in a local school, whatever that is, um, you know, for for a good and healthy future. And and I think that's, 
that's quite key. I, I think the other way we we sort of look to improve life is, um, you know, in, engage people in what we're doing and how we're doing it. Um, a, a lot of our projects, like I say, involve, um, you know, working in communities and, and often very residential communities. Uh, and we spend an awful lot on engaging those communities to understanding what we do. And, and particularly, you know, I've, I've seen one project recently where uh, the focus of the project actually changed from a delivery perspective as a result of, of resident feedback. Um, and I think that's exactly what a business like ours should be about. Um, it isn't just going out and, and doing it. It's making sure people are happy with the end result um, and, and hopefully get, you know, personal opportunities out of it um, that, that are very positive. So, so the improving life thing, I, I think, is the overriding um, sort of objective for us. Thanks for your time today, Dawn. To stay up to date with the latest content from HRD Connect, follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter.